Today on the ZabeCast, I once threatened to rip out my DirecTV dish by the bolts and throw it out by the garbage in defiance. Well, now I might just hug that sweet bastard till the final lights go out. Andy Poland joins me to discuss whether Dan Snyder has a sports gambling ace up his Virginia stadium sleeve, and Boston hangs another championship banner. Great. Your bonus, 30 minutes of me and Andy is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Tuesday, March 10, 2020. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for downloading. Let's get right to it. Headline, DirecTV's days are numbered. Say it ain't so. Start saying goodbye to DirecTV, writes Jefferson Graham in USA Today. It may not be today or tomorrow, but it could be soon. DirecTV owner AT&T this week admitted that it's no longer actively marketing the service. Let that soak in. They admitted they're no longer actively marketing the service. No advertising, no bragging about how much better than cable they are. That's it. They're done. They watch subscribers plummet by $4 million in the or 4 million subscribers in the last four years from 20 million when they bought it in 2015 to 16 million. Now AT&T said they will continue selling direct TV in quote more rural or less dense suburban areas. That'd be me. John Stanky, the president of AT&T Stanky said at an investor conference, quote, in terms of our marketing muscle and our momentum in the market, it will be about software-driven pay TV packages. In other words, knock that dish on your roof or on your wall. Namely, they want to push the new AT&T TV, which opened nationally this week to poor reviews. Noted electronics and consumer Editorialist Edward C. Baig in USA Today said, quote, I'd recommend taking a pass on AT&T TV. He said the fact it was costly. You had to rent equipment if you wanted more than one TV and a two-year contract on top of it, plus add some key programming that's missing from the AT&T TV package like Amazon Prime, Hulu, and the National Football League. Shit, what a terrible deal that is, AT&T. You want a a costly, I got to get equipment, and you don't have this, this, and this? (laughs) Where do I sign up? DirecTV was launched in 1994 as a way for rural consumers to get TV entertainment in areas not covered by cable. But some, like a young, hard-charging Steve Zabin, living in a single or excuse me, a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah, it was a one-bedroom apartment. Apartment. One-bedroom apartment on the third floor, high above the eighth hole at Chevy Chase Golf Club in Buffalo Grove, Illinois. I put in a direct TV dish by myself, pointed it, lined it up, because there were no installers back then in 94. I did it for one thing and one thing only, Sunday ticket. You could get every NFL game every Sunday. At your own home. Ho, 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 ho. The glory 
It was amazing. I've been a subscriber pretty much nonstop ever since, save for a few times I've moved from here to there to here. And up until AT&T bought it, I loved it. Many remember how pleasant the customer service was and how reasonable they were with offering you a freebie here or there if you had a legitimate complaint. Then AT&T bought it, and it was like the meanest substitute teacher that ever started teaching your class. Now, because it's all streaming, uh, it's just, it's a relic. It suddenly has become a relic. Philip Swan, who blogs as the TV Answer Man and has covered DirecTV woes extensively, was stunned at the new AT&T offering, essentially at how shitty it was. My word, not his. Quote, this is everything people disliked about TV over the last 10 years. High cost, equipment you have to rent, contracts. If this was 10 years ago, maybe AT&T TV would have a shot. Not now, no chance. AT&T has its sights set on the streaming market, pouring marketing muscle behind the new HBO Max service launching in May. It'll sell for $14.99 monthly, including originals and reruns of shows like Friends and The Big Bang Theory. Uh, when the NFL deal expires in two years, AT&T will either sell DirecTV or shut it down. One ready buyer has already expressed interest. That's Dish Network owner Charlie Ergen said a merger was, quote, inevitable on recent earnings calls. So I guess I'll be moving in with uh, Dish Network. be like being sent off to your crazy uncles. I don't want to be a Dish Network household. Please. Of course, I could just move onto the grid. would be nice. Or me and my uh, handful of neighbors on this street that are only about a half a mile maybe away from sweet, sweet, fiber optic and or cable, maybe we could just say how much would it cost if we paid you to dig that cable out to our street? Huh? Come on. How much can it cost, really? Let's let's do this thing, all right? Let's talk to Andy Poland, a man who knows cable TV, knows locker rooms in sports, and knows how to stay healthy after all these years. God darn it. Sorry, it's uh, FaceTime audioing me, or Andy. Don't know why that is. Hello. Andrew Poland, how we doing, brother? Hi, how are you? A man who has said his goal is to live to 100 and has the good genes to go with it. Where do you stand on the latest coronavirus panic? Speaking of 100, by the way, not to uh, get you too sidetracked here, but... Uh, did you know Sid Hartman, who has been writing for the Minneapolis Star Tribune for like 100 years, is turning 100 this weekend? So he's written for them since the time he came out of the womb? Pretty much. Uh, he, <laughs> Almost. He, he, um, yeah, he, he writes three columns a week still. He does a Sunday morning radio show on WCCO. Wow. And still at it. He was part of a group that helped to get the Lakers from some other city to Minneapolis. 
that's the Minneapolis Lakers who later left to become Los Angeles Lakers. Right. So he's been around. Good for um, him, man. So your yeah. father still works and is very yeah. active at age what? Be 92 this year. And he still works. Yeah, I mean, not full-time, but he still goes down, sees the buildings, oversees the whole, yeah, operation. He's a property manager in downtown D.C. In uh, D.C. and Virginia, Roslyn, Virginia. Andy, that, so. is, that is awesome. I, I yeah. love I love old guys that get around. You, too, have for years bragged about rarely, if ever, getting sick. What mm-hmm. do you attribute that to? Genetics. Look, look at my father. He, he rarely gets sick, uh, and uh, and I've had that good fortune my whole life. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I'm how about not your hy- how about your hygiene though? Do you think you've got good hygiene? Do you wash your hands and face regularly? You know, but I don't know if I do it more than anybody else. Okay. I shower every day. <laughs> I wash my hands. You know, before I eat, after I go to the bathroom. Oh, I mean. Right. By the way, speaking of showering every day, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna re- people are gonna recoil at this, <laughs> but I'm gonna say it anyway. I told my wife on Sunday. I go. I just announced out loud to the family. I go. All right. I'll. Uh, I, I got to take a few minutes. I got to go get Friday's shower in. It was Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Ooh. This this is what happens when it's winter. Mm-hmm. You have almost shaved your head down to the nub, and I've just got a little bit of a Matt Lauer fuzz going on right now, a Rich Eisen sort of a fringe, if you will. Mm-hmm. And if you're indoors, it's winter, and you're not working up a sweat, it's easy to go a day or two without showering. At least I've found that. And I, my wife, like, she's like, oh, really? And I go, I know. I'm sorry. My vow is to shower every day from now on, even though my hair doesn't need it. This is what us bald guys do, Andy. We think we can go days without a shower in the winter. Yeah, but it's it's more than hair. I mean, you have... I know more it's more than hair. Your it's climates. Other... <laughs> Thank you, Dad. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you also have good routines, very yeah. good routines, which I, I do. I mocked you for that over the years, and I shouldn't because... Early to bed, early to rise, healthy, wealthy, and wise. And the healthy part is first. I mean, you go to the gym every day, you get your sweat in, and you live a structured life. And I think you are going to make it to 100 if you just would not walk across busy thoroughfares. (laughs) (laughs) The the gym, though, that's a a petri dish of disease. True. But exercise boosts immunity. That's true. And so as long as you wipe down your thing, I would imagine nowadays, uh, if you go and work up a huge sweat on a Stairmaster and then you just walk away and leave it all dripping, people would stab you to death, basically. Yeah, well, I I, I clean the machine before I get on it and after I get off. Yeah, and that's smart. And that's smart. Uh, Everything else, you know, there's only so much you can do. You and I are old enough. We've seen some things come and go. I don't recall the 09 avian, or excuse me, the swine flu as being this crazed. No, and and I wonder if now it's it's a different thing. So, you know, it's not apples to apples, but the social media was not as big a factor Correct. in 2009 as it is now. So, every time something happens, it gets heightened by either some statement from some health official or some report. So everybody's more reactive, I guess, than they were in 2011, 2009. Right. Right. And obviously, you know, the current president has put the country in a volatile mood these days. And so half the country that supports him and voted for him, they're, you know, going to defend him. The other half, they're already crazed that he's in office. And so nothing he does can be the right thing. Like on the one hand, people will say, 
he shouldn't be involved in this. Let the CDC and the health people handle it. Okay, he goes to play golf with a handful of Nationals players, and people lose their minds about that. What's he doing playing golf? Hey, wait, I thought you didn't want him involved. He's on the golf course. You'd want him there, right? That's crazy. I think also social media is now any contrarian thought gets pummeled on social media. And so if you've got herd mentality on social media that, you know, public entities, government and Mm -hmm. companies, they want to run with the herd always because they're so afraid of online blowback. So God forbid a company said, we're not doing telework. If you're sick, stay home, legitimately sick and get tested. If not, come to work, use lots of hand sanitizer Stay clear of people. We're not going to have meetings, and we're going to press on. Oh, I can't believe company ABC is doing that. Am I right? Right. And also, you know, somebody would say something, and you hear people talking in luncheonettes or wherever they happen to be, and there's back and forth. Now there's documented anger in tweets, responses. Exactly. Uh, You know, so there – oh, look at this. There's a full page of people saying the president's an idiot. He must be an idiot. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we'll get through it. Uh, I know that much for sure. That said, um, the media has been now banned from every major league clubhouse. Uh, Not just every major league. Every major sport has moved. Baseball tonight, as well as the NBA. Well, the NBA was first. No, the NHL was first. Now, the NBA and Major League Baseball have moved to kick the media out. You have been in so many locker rooms over so many years, and I will defend the beat writers that they need that access to do their job properly because they talk mm-hmm. to these players every day. They see these players every day. They get stuff off the record every day. That this is this is not going to be good for what they do as a job. And from a practical standpoint, how much of this is going to slow down a global pandemic, really? Yeah, but you're you want to protect the athletes too, and you know you don't know where the media people have been and. You know, are the athletes going to go to Starbucks? Are they going to go home? Are they going to go to yeah. the grocery store? Are they going to yeah. sit on an airplane with other – like you can't protect them. Just well, like, It makes the media look like they're germ carriers. Well, I'd be kind of annoyed if I was part of the press. One of the things that, um, that, that you, we heard about this is wrestling matches, after they finish rolling around in each other's sweat, for 20 minutes they're supposed to fist bump instead of shake hands shut up <laughs> yeah oh that that'll do right there yeah no problem yeah. so I, I don't i don't really know but um as far as you know uh, stifling the job when i was in dallas in the early 80s there was a woman by the name of elaine Knoll who worked for the san antonio express news who wanted a press pass to cover the cowboys well Tom Landry was ultra religious and he said, we can't have a woman in the locker room. Right. And they said, well, uh, coach, the NFL permits her with a press pass. It's fine. We won't let anybody in. And the Cowboys in those days had media rooms where you had to wait for the players to come out and guys on deadlines. Whoa, boy, were they pissed about that, but there wasn't anything you could do. And, and that's, that's the way they limited. Now when Jerry Jones took over a few years later, that changed obviously. But uh, that's that's the way they did things. And, you know, people will adjust to this. They won't like it. But hopefully the disease will pass in a matter of hopefully days, maybe weeks, and uh, we'll move on. Well, I know this. I bet a lot of athletes, once they get a taste of this, won't ever want to go back. 
They may not, but I think that the leagues would be smart to have it go back. I don't think this is good for the sport. I agree. Uh, the more coverage, the better. The more stories, the better. Even the ones that the players don't like written. Yeah. It's, it's promoting the sport at hand. And I just know that, you know, women fought hard to not get denied access, as you mentioned, to locker rooms because they realize that's an essential part of the job. And there's more female beat writers, you know, unglorified non-TV, you know, Barbie dolls that are out there on the front lines covering sports. And that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's just, a, but I, I don't dispute the idea of, of doing it. I'm, I'm not one of those who says, good, they don't need access. But I don't think it's a bad idea to not have media in the locker room in this time. But, Andy, it's just a token thing. It's not going to do shit. It's a tiny little thing compared to the rest of societal interaction, if That's you true. think about it. But if it's if it saves one life, then it's worth it. <laughs> That's you, though. It's a, if it, you, you won't be able to prove if it saves one life or not. Yeah, I don't know. By the way, but, is your, you know, your father being in that age group, is he at all worried about it? I mean, this virus is really murder on people over 70. Well, he's he's now in a, a senior citizen's um, place. with okay. uh, it's, a, it's an apartment. But um, one of the cases in Montgomery County was a, a couple that had been overseas, and they have it. And they have visited in the last week or so an old, another old age place. And yeah, there's there's real concern, and this stuff doesn't show up overnight. Apparently, it's like the yeah. two week gestation period. It it can apparently, yeah. We still don't know exactly how it transfers. I have a friend whose father is in his eighties, and he's planning a a boat trip in May, and he's still going. And he's like, "Fuck it, I don't care." Basically, uh, uh, Dusty Baker also was asked about it. He yeah. goes, "I don't give a shit." What was this quote like? <laughs> he had uh, cancer and something else in his life. That yeah, know. here you go. Quote, I'm not afraid of any virus at this point in my life. I've been through a stroke, prostate cancer. I refuse to let anything take the luster off of the life for me. Good for him. All right, let's talk about this supposed Redskin stadium that Danny has up his sleeve, this sort of sneak play in Virginia tied to the imminent passing of gambling in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Why, a day I would never (laughs) thought I'd see a believe, Andy. I I never thought I'd see the day we'd allow legal gambling on sports. Well, I'm I'm intrigued to find out where this might be because we've heard Dulles Airport for a while. That's a possibility. Loudon don't Um, want it. Loudon County is a no. I'm guaranteeing it's somewhere down south of the mixing bowl on 95 in that Occoquan corridor. Mm. Which, as anyone who lives in this area knows, it's fucking hell on Sunday evenings going north. All right. If I had to bet, he's rebuilding on the same site that uh, Maryland's going to accommodate him with the gambling, and they're going to rebuild right on that Landover spot. And you know what? I'd rather it be there than down in Virginia. Like people have gotten used to and they've accepted the Faustian bargain of driving out to Ral John. And I think that they're like, okay, we know this is where the team is. You're moving a team's headquarters, essentially, in a huge if you were to go down there to ninety five, you're moving it very far away. You're disrupting a lot. I mean, it's not like no fans go to FedEx Field. It's just it's been decimated by about thirty percent, right? Yeah, and and but the other part of this is that he would have the practice facility there as well. 
So you, you've got a current crop of Redskins who have all bought in Virginia to be near the facility. Oh, so God. there's that. They'd have to, you know, you can't can't live where you live right now in Ashburn and expect to make it for an eight o'clock practice. And as you know, there's nowhere comparably nice out there where the stadium is. Maybe Annapolis, I suppose. But well, it's di- it's different, though. I mean, guys live in Georgetown or they live in other nice gated communities in Loudoun County on golf courses, there's not that equivalent in Landover. Right. Well, that might be something that would upgrade the area, too, that you, you would have people building some luxury homes in that part of the woods. I don't know. I guess. But uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a real mess, and they, the fact that they couldn't get something done with the district is very disappointing. I was really hoping that would happen. Yeah. It smells to me like Dan is desperate, and this is a rushed thing. It's like he's in it alone, I feel like this has disaster written all over it because the stadium has to be the right stadium in the right place, and I just don't feel like that's going to happen. I don't think well, Dan's capable. And we, well, what did we hear about Bruce Allen for the last few years? Yeah, he's done a crappy job. Yeah, he's a jerk, but he's he's moving Dan's stadium plan along. Well, apparently he wasn't doing anything regarding that, and when he got booted out the door, there's no evidence that they were making progress on anything. I know. And so mm-hmm. now here we are. Like – if if this is just a gambling cash rush for Danny, mm-hmm. and he doesn't care about, well, it's a dome, but you'll get used to it. Well, it's not where you want it to be, but you'll get used to it. Hey, look at this. I've got retail, and I've got development rights, and I've got gambling. Yeah, that's good <laughs> for you, Dan. How about us, the yeah. fans? And I wonder about the the gambling. There'll be the initial effect of people who don't really gamble like me who will dabble in it. And then the people who gamble will gamble anyway. And I don't know how much it's really going to do. You know, it's not going to become like a great casino or no. anything. It'll it'll just be something that's added on. It's it's so everywhere now, and it's going to be going to even be more everywhere. If that even mm. makes sense, more everywhere mm-hmm. that it will become common. And I don't think it's that much of a rep. I mean, I am a gambler, but mm-hmm. I don't gamble that much. I gamble when I go to Vegas. I gamble on select events. I'll dabble on the NFL on Sundays and maybe college football, but that's it. Yeah, and you're not restricted. You're, you haven't gone around saying, God, I hope they get gambling soon so I'll be able <laughs> no! to gamble. You're already gambling. I know. It's ridiculous. Uh, Trent Williams wants $20 million a year. He's been told to go seek a trade. So far, nothing but crickets on that trade front. What do you think is the outcome here? Oh, I think he's going to get traded, and I think he's he's going to realize he's going to have to settle. Um, but twenty million dollars a year, um, maybe you give that to him for one year if you think you're you know one left tackle away. But he's he's you know he's got one year left on his contract. He's looking to parlay that into five or six. Ain't going to happen. Yeah. No. Have you been to an XFL game, DC have Defenders? Not. Are I you watched, in, are you intrigued? I am intrigued. I've found I've watched less and less uh, as the weeks have gone on. And I was I watched most of the first game. I did watch some of the game. Was it yesterday? Yeah, I guess it was yesterday. I watched some of that. But the, the, the real problem for me with the league is you don't really know the players. The uniforms are just a <laughs> little, you know. It's not hideous. It's just that when you turn on an NFL game, you know, oh, there's the Bears and the Packers. I've been seeing those uniforms for years. You know, uh, there's the Cowboys. There's the Raiders. These are like, you know, it's like turning in like a a low-level college game. 
like you're not really familiar with any of the players. You know the names of the schools, but you know what? What's the point? It, it's, it's it's like you're watching the league in any given Sunday with Al Pacino, but in real life. Yeah, pretty much. And and here's 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 the coronavirus for them. That could kill the league because <laughs> if, if they say if they say nobody can show up, then but the they're not TV, going to. Like think of that. Not. Think of that beer snake the fans assembled last Sunday. You're you're talking about the lips of seventeen hundred cups is what they estimated the length of that beer snake being handled by other strangers. <laughs> they didn't give a fuck about the coronavirus. <laughs> no, they didn't. But <laughs> you, what this is this is in the District of Columbia, the uh, the stadium. And the, in, already in San Francisco, I've heard that they are putting out like cigarette pack warnings for people like go in this, go in at your own risk. And they're even talking about banning people from going to events like that. So what wow. if the district says we can't have people in a public gathering? Well, you can go play your game, put it on television, but we're not letting anybody in the stadium. I'm waiting for the first major entity to lose a lot of money and invoke a bunch of lawsuits by canceling a, a game or an event over this virus because that's where the rubber meets the road. And so far, the only things that have been canceled are low-level things or tournaments like a tennis tournament that may not make money at all. Well, that's a pretty big tennis tournament, but... Uh, but it yeah. might lose money. Yeah, yeah. Depending yeah. on who goes and everything else. I, I just don't see it with the major sporting entities in this country because you're talking major disruption. You're talking lawsuits from advertisers, lawsuits potentially from TV people, lawsuits from fans. Mm. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely... A mess, but it's it's something we've never no. been through before. So, you, are so, you going to go to an XFL game or no? Uh, probably not. No. Okay. They don't play mm-hmm. next year. Then there's blood on your hands. You had a chance to go well, see alternate football, and you passed. As a man who's well, a historian of sports in this town, Andy, one of the preeminent elder statesmen, I'm kind of <laughs> embarrassed. Why don't you and I go to a game? Okay, sounds good. Where are we go? We going to the Dallas game this week? <laughs> I don't know. Somewhere it's soon. Dallas, you know, it's Dallas week. <laughs> Dallas week in the XFL. Yeah. Did you enjoy the Van Pelt thing on Faraday? Yeah, I, I, t- I tweeted about that. I, I don't. I do like Faraday when I happen to stumble across it, but because I'm a big Van Pelt fan, I made it a point to uh, DVR the show, and so I watched it last night. And uh, he did a very good job. And as I, I put out in my tweet. Uh, the thing that Scott said was most important was writing. And he is an excellent writer for broadcast. There's a difference. And I'll give you an example of of how that works. This is maybe 15 years ago. Andy Rooney was getting old on 60 Minutes, and they thought, well, you know, sooner or later he's going to leave or die, and we've got to replace him. So they hired these columnists Stanley Crouch, Molly Ivins, they were popular across the country. And they said, just do what Andy Rooney does. Well, they did, and it stunk. It was terrible because while they were renowned and good writers for newspapers, they couldn't write for broadcast. And that's what Scott does as well as anybody. So I was, I was glad to hear him say that. Can you tell P- – I'll give one example of how I would write for broadcast and see if you agree with me on this, and that is you just have to take real – 
you eliminate all the normal sort of written language things, the these and the ands and everything, and you cut to the chase. You write in a conversational manner. So instead of writing a lead that says, the Washington Redskins are having one of their worst seasons of all time at 1-15, and instead you would say, the Redskins are having a terrible season. How bad? Fans booing their own team bad. There's your two-sentence lead that grabs the listener right there and tells them all they need to know. They don't need all the other bullshit, right? Right. And they also need – you need to find your own voice. Right. So you, you've got to find a style that fits the way you talk. Minimalist, people, minimalist yeah. direct, and you know, basically conversational. Right. Right. And most writers are not used to doing that. And that's why there are so few who make that transition. And Scott, I don't think whoever wrote for a newspaper clearly knows how to write right. for broadcast. Right. Now you said, learn how to write. And I said, yeah, but yelling pays pretty good too. <laughs> yes. But I also did point out that those are, are former writers. Bayless, um, Bayless and uh, Stephen A. Smith are writers. Stephen A. is a failed writer. Bayless is a cheap shot writer who insinuated Troy Aikman was gay. That's why he still won't talk to him all these years later. And mm-hmm. as I pointed out to you on Twitter, if you were to transcribe their yelling, Jim Murray's finest hour, it ain't. <laughs> right. But but Jim Murray w- would be looked at today like, oh, yeah, he writes that cute little newspaper column. But I get my sports from Stephen A. <laughs> oh, don't you blaspheme the great L.A. Times columnist Jim Murray. He was, yeah, but you, you got to understand what that era was. I mean, those guys were the stars. And the stars now are the ex-columnists. But the thing that's a shame is that Murray was creative. He was unique. He had a way with words that was utterly magic. And he made you fall in love with sports. He helped you understand certain sports and athletes. And he could cover everything. Right. But your routine in the morning was to pick up an actual newspaper and read his column. I know. Routines now either there are some I guess who will read a paper on an iPad or still like me read an actual paper, but now you just pop on the TV and oh, there's Stephen A. Smith yelling at you. Okay, great, let's watch this. All right, Andy, always a pleasure. Thank you, and uh, congrats on your Terps as the Trico Big Ten champs. I was shocked to learn that the Big Ten hands out not one, not two, but three physical trophies for a tie for the Big Ten regular season championship. How about them, Apples? Yeah, I, I likened it a little bit to participation trophies, but uh, they're not giving it back. So, <laughs> Right, yeah. and when somebody says, how's that only their seventh conference championship all these years because they've had such good teams and a great tradition, the answer is simple. You try living with North Carolina and Duke in your neighborhood. See how many right. you win, right? Right, and also you got to realize in the ACC, the regular season championship was not as valued as much as the conference tournament championship, exactly. and they didn't win many of those either. All right, Andy, be safe. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Dave, take care. We'll end on this today. Put another banner in the rafters for Boston. Just what they needed, right? Another championship. This then is a traffic championship. However, Boston traffic has been named the worst in the country for the second year in a row. Yeah! Chowds! Transportation analytics company Inrix found that drivers in Boston lost 149 hours in 2019 due to traffic congestion. That's more than six days 
making it the worst in the U.S. 149 hours. I wonder if people think that's a little bit light. That's on average. Oh, by the way. The same study last year found Boston drivers lost 164 hours, so actually it's coming down, but it's still the worst in the country. Chicago is second with 145 lost hours. Philadelphia third, 142. And the good old District of Columbia area, DMV, District Maryland, Virginia, fifth. So not too far behind. Put another rafter in the Boston banners. That'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. Download, subscribe. I was told, where's my sheet? My math stinks. No shock there. Johnny Hep says, Steed, Brian Williams math on that podcast. Yes, Fridays do cost money. Yes, it's relatively cheap, cheap, but no, it's not 1.8 cents per day. It's 17 cents a day, but I knew what you meant. It's still easily worth that 18 cents to me. And I thank you, Johnny Hep, for being a subscriber. Thanks for listening. Tell a couple friends. Goose the algorithm. Rate and review and all that good stuff. Have a great Tuesday. Don't panic. And we will see you next time. Look around you. That car you're driving. That house your family lives in. Making your daughter laugh. Inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive, teaching him he can be anything, all you. And your dreams for tomorrow, you'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen, they are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance, protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.